On today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, the first trailer for Henry Cavill's new movie, Our Gals, come out, and it looks fantastic. Also, James Gunn basically confirms that nothing from the old DCU is going to be canon in the new DCU, basically making it a full reboot. We'll discuss that. Also, you know what the number one show on the most popular list on Max is? Naked Attraction. What is it? Never heard of it till yesterday. We're going to talk about that. Also, we learned that the writers are going to get some residuals in the new writer strike deal. But what does that mean? How will those residuals work? We're going to discuss that. Also, beloved Harry Potter actor, uh, the second Dumbledore actor, Michael Gambon, has passed away at the age of 82. And also, James Gunn announces that there are three actors who were playing roles in the old DCU that will be playing them in the new DCU. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more. The John Campus Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campus Show podcast coming from right here in our quaint little studio brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campion, it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but hopefully giving you some history, information, and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Uh, joining me in studio is Ray Ora. Hey, hey, hey. Going to go see the creator a little bit later yeah. today. Ooh. Yep, Jonathan yep. Voiko's here. I am here. The delightful Chris Carr is here. <laughs> I am delightful. And most <laughs> importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, making the show part of your day, and here's how the show's going to go. We're going to start off by talking about all those topics I just listed off. Then the last part of the show, we're going to take some topics and questions from our YouTube channel members. Also want to let you guys know and remind you that we have an audio-only version podcast. This is actually the John Campus Show podcast. And you can find the podcast, along with our open mic podcast, goes on this feed as well, by simply searching for the John Campus Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcasting app of choice is. All right, guys. With that all down... Let's get to it, shall we? We're going to start off with this. The first trailer for Henry Cavill's Argyle just came out. And when they first announced this movie, I was completely taken with the idea. Henry Cavill, who was the runner-up to play James Bond when they gave the role to, to um, I almost said to Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, Daniel not Craig. Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel, uh, Craig. Daniel Craig? Daniel Craig, thank you. Very much Very not Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> When they gave the role to Daniel Craig, uh, you know, Henry Cavill was the run-up, and it was going to be the super spy movie. All this kind of stuff sounded great to me. Well, they dropped the first trailer for it, and I got to tell you, I love it. Listen to this cast. Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sophia Batella, uh, Catherine O'Hara, Dua Lipa, John Cena, Brian Cranston, Samuel L. Jackson, Sam Rockwell, Ariana DeBoyce. I mean, I just listed off a number of, like, many award winners in there, and this trailer is not what I thought it was going to be. It's it's a very different kind of twist. It has a little bit of a Lost City, um, romancing the stone, stone yeah. uh, kind of feel to it. I love Bryce Dallas Howard. I am completely taken with Bryce Dallas Howard. I think she is absolutely delightful. And this trailer looks basically like everything I wanted it to be. Not to mention it's directed by Matthew Vaughn, who I'm a huge Matthew Vaughn fan. And... This just looks great. And I, I love the fact that they're building into the marketing, the fact that there's some kind of big twist. Because I say, when you find out the secret or whatever it is, don't let the cat out of the bag. So apparently there is some kind of big monster, whether the cat is like some magical being that actually opens a portal between realities. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but you might know I'm a bit of a fan of Henry Cavill. So I love this idea. This trailer looked fantastic to me. Again, for a first trailer, for a first trailer, I expect to be given a little bit better of an idea of the story by the time we get into the second trailer. But for a first trailer, I thought this looked great. I can't wait to watch this. Chris, you saw the trailer. What did you think about it? Oh, I love this. Well, first of all, too, I hadn't seen the trailer when show notes went out and I went, oh, my gosh, if John is having us talk about this so he can talk about a cat being thrown out of a Open window in a trailer. It I'm survives, have, unfortunately. It's, yes. It survives because cats are great. That's why it survives. This looks precious. I love Matthew Vaughn's style. I really adore 
adore the Kingsman movies, the first one, the second one. Not so much Kingsman. That one didn't really do it for yeah, me. Yeah, not me either. But I really like his style. I love that he's being reunited with some of his favorites too here with Samuel Jackson and Sophia popping back in. And Bryce Dallas Howard truly is one of those actresses who can do no wrong for me. I think she's delightful in everything. And I love that this trailer itself is a twist because when we first reported on this, we heard that there was a new spy movie coming out with Henry Cavill. And that was it. Yeah. That's all we knew about it with some other folks in there. And so I loved watching this going, oh, okay, so it's going to be a, another Kingsman kind of stylized, you know, spy whodunit kind of thing. The John Cena lift there made me go, <laughs> okay, so we're taking some liberties. <laughs> and then- I'm not going to lie. I love the John Cena dual leaf uh, lift. I thought that was great. I mean, if anyone could be lifted that way and if anyone could lift someone that way, it's these two people. Yeah. But I, I love the kind of twist that we have in this trailer itself of just having that. And sure, we have seen this kind of story done in something like a Romancing the Stone. But when a story is done over again and done well, because really when you come down to it, we've probably got five stories in literature, right? You mm. can go back and trace everything back to Shakespeare and then to Roman times, etc. When it's done well, it's so satisfying to watch. And I love these kinds of movies about assumed identities, big switcheroos, and I adore Sam Rockwell. There was a really great spy movie a couple years ago that a lot of people didn't talk about um, where it was him and Anna Kendrick. And oh, right. oh. he danced a lot in it. Um, <laughs> he dances a lot in a lot. He dances movies. in a lot of things, which I love. But it, it reminded me of that. really quick. Yeah. Like I had to like watch this a couple times. On the- it looks killer. And Matthew Vaughn does such a good job capturing yeah. all of that. But I, I love when Sam Rockwell gets to just be... <laughs> Full Sam Rockwell. Is it just me, or is it like Sam Rockwell's career slowed down once he won his Academy Award? Because he won the Academy Award for three uh, billboards uh, outside of Ebbing, Missouri, which was brilliant. And he was so so good good in that movie. That movie is spectacular. But it almost feels like his career slowed down after winning the Oscar. Oh, that role too, though. That's one of those roles where he's so good in it that it takes you a minute to remove the actor from the role. Uh, Yeah, that's true too. Oh, I hate you and then it's but Sam Rockwell and he's wonderful he's president of so many planets you know I, I got I gotta still stay in there for him we'll all right guys with that down let's move on to this shall we James Gunn for anybody who's been confused about is the new DCU reboot not reboot James Gunn has just kind of put the issue to bed by making the statement nothing from the DCEU is canon in the new DCU uh, that was basically the straight-up statement. You know, James Gunn was directly asked about the situation on social media on threads. And this comes from the folks at CBR who wrote this. Via his threads account, Gunn responded to a fan who sought clarity about what is and isn't canon while asking if the DCEU actor, uh, asking if DCU actors will be reprising the roles in the new look DCU. Having previously said that DC studio films and canon start with Superman Legacy, Gunn made his stance clearer, insisting that nothing is canon until Creature Commandos next year. He then explained the DCU will have a deeper dive into the universe with Superman Legacy. Additionally, Gunn said uh, that he understood fans who are confused by what's happening with the DCU to DCU transition, given that no one has seen anything yet from the new DCU. So, essentially what James Gunn has just said, uh, really in the most clear terms so far, this is a reboot. Nothing from the old DCU is canon. Now, we're going to talk about another story a little bit later that, yes, a couple of actors are going to continue playing their roles. And he says that, hey, there's going to be some circumstances that are similar. Like, for instance, our new Batman. Guess what? His parents were going to have been murdered in Crime Alley when he was a little boy. What? Yep. Did they go see an opera? (laughs) Probably. Or a movie. Or a movie this time. (laughs) Oh, no. But what he's saying is, while that may be similar to the history of Ben Affleck's Batman, this isn't the same Ben Affleck Batman. This is a different thing. There's going to be some similarities in circumstances and things like that. But this is a new thing. Everything that was canon in the DCEU is gone. And this is the first time that James Gunn came out and really just definitively said that, that the canon of the new DCU doesn't start until Creature Commandos and Superman Legacy. That is the start of the new universe. And I think it was important, but I also think he said something that is really common sense because there's a lot of people doing a lot of commentary about what James Gunn should and shouldn't be doing right now and how all this kind of stuff. And James Gunn just reminded everybody, guys, nothing has come out yet. We're years away. 
We're a long time away from anything coming out. I, I, I shouldn't have to be painting a big, clear picture for you right now. We're years away, but it is good to hear him basically say, old stuff, not canon. Canon begins with these new things. Anyway, Chris, you heard James Gunn's comments here and, and read what he said. I mean, for me, he has implied before certain things. Yeah. Again, he shouldn't be just spilling everything. What's this new DCU going to be? We should just experience that as everything comes out. But to me, this is the clearest thing he said, I think. What do you think about that? Does this coincide with everything you said before? And what do you think about the comments themselves? Well, first of all, if we're going to keep three actors, I'm excited about these three. Right. Well, I, we'll talk oh, about those three yeah. later. Well, and, and, you know, I think, I think as fans, a lot of times we are very, very precious with IP and we think it belongs to us. And while we can have a very, very direct line to things and have an emotional understanding of things and how they've related to us in our own lives, they do not belong to us. Our own memories and our own relationship with it belongs to us, but the characters themselves, the storytelling does not belong to us unless you start working for DC and you want to help tell these stories. <laughs> so I think a lot of times we have this very big sense of entitlement and we've seen that so much with DC. We see this with tons of fandoms too, though. Marvel, Star Wars, and I've been guilty of it. You know, Jonathan and I have talked about my expectation of, of Thor and how that kind of let me down because I was so married to the mm -hmm. comic. But here, I think we do need to listen to James kind of let everything happen. I think then this also should make viewers just go, okay, I can go in and watch Aquaman and take it for what it is and watch that com uh, completion of that two-part story, right? I can have seen Blue Beetle or I can watch it again on demand. And I know this character might come back, but I'm going to just take the story for what it is and view some of these things kind of like an Elseworlds, kind of like one-off comics, because we can do that with comic books. For some reason, we have this disconnect with movies where we want everything to be tied together all of a sudden. Mm. We don't need that. I do find it fascinating, just the sentence alone of nothing is canon until Creature Commandos. That, that is something I never thought I would hear in my <laughs> lifetime, but I'm thrilled about it. Look at these weirdos. I'm so hyped for it. And then obviously, yeah, Superman Legacy is where we're going to really start diving deep. I think Creature Commando sets us up for kind of some tonality things, some weird stuff, some allowances we'll have in this universe. Could be wrong. And if I am, so be it. But I really think until we see Superman, yeah, we can't know what this new universe is going to be like. And in that movie, we're promised already to see so many DC characters. So I think we all can just take a nice deep breath and let James do this. One of the few people who I think does know what's going on is Jason Momoa. Yes. Because you, you guys remember a while, it was months ago, Jason Momoa put up a video of himself on social media coming out of the Warner Brothers studios, looking like a seven-year-old kid who just got told he's been given an army of ponies. Because he was like, like not just smiling and grimming, like he was literally, Whoa! like yeah. he was pulling a Ric Flair and like, Whoa! oh, I can't wait to tell you guys about all this stuff. Clearly, because he had just met with James Gunn and Peter Safran. So- I mean, clearly he's somebody who knows what's going to be happening in the DCU, not DCEU. And uh, he seems pretty happy with it. So, I don't know. We'll see how that all goes. Yeah. All right, guys. With that down, I got to talk about this. Ann and I were driving out last night for a date night and got this thing on my phone that basically somebody sent me this headline. The number one show on Max's, one of the biggest streaming services out there, on Max's most popular Shows list. The number one on the list is a show called Naked Attraction. I'm like, what? I've never even heard of this. What on earth is Naked Attraction? <laughs> and turns out Naked Attraction is a seven-year-old British show that I had never. So our viewers in, in the UK are probably saying, how have you never heard of this campaign? But yeah, no, we had, I'd never heard of it. And most people I know never heard of it. Never heard of this thing. It's a dating show. And this image Jonathan has behind me is a, per this is, this is the show. Here it is. All right. This is the show. You have your main contestant, guy or girl, whatever. And if it's a straight girl and she's the contestants, they will have, I think it's six guys in front of her in different colored booths, right? Pink, yellow, purple, orange, red, green, you know, whatever. And it starts with them showing the lower part of the body. This thing rises up on this, like these cocoons these people are in showing full frontal nudity. 
So it shows their legs and their junk. If it's a guy's, their hammers are just swinging freely. They're just out there. And they don't speak. They don't speak. Just the host and the contestant then talk about, well, I really like the uh, legs on uh, on blue, but I think orange has a very nice penis. And they, like, they'll talk and just go over it. And then at that point, she has to select one guy to get rejected. And then they move on to the next stage, not speaking anything. I can't imagine being a guy being on this show and then being the first one ejected simply because they didn't like my penis. That is, <laughs> you got to have some massive self-confidence to be on this show. And then, so then it shows the midsection. So it goes up, shows their abs and their chest. And then they talk a little bit more about the abs, what they like, what they don't like. And then she's got to throw in another person. And then it shows their face. Then the third part, it goes up and shows their faces. Um, she gets to ask them one question. They answer one question very shortly. Then she kicks off a couple more until it only comes down to two. Once it comes down to just two, the contestant goes off stage, undresses, and they have to come out naked. So the two finalists get to see them naked too. And then she picks the person. Now, unlike other stupid shows where it's like, you got to choose who you're going to marry. This is just choosing somebody to go on one date with. So they're standing there naked and they go on a date. I kid you not. Ann and I got home and we said, well, I'm going to do a story on this. We got to watch the first episode about eight or nine times throughout the episode. As I'm covering my face Anne is going, this is the greatest show ever. But anyway, in the very first episode, as they lift the part up and it just shows the guy's legs and junk, there's this one guy. And I kid you not, I kid you not. I have to stand up this guy, right? I'm glad you're wearing pants right here. <laughs> he had a tattoo of an elephant with his ears and his hammer was the trunk of the elephant. Oh, points for creativity. It, the nice. way he described it was, he's, he actually said that's the what part of his body's embarrassed the most. He goes, never go to a Thailand bar with your buddies, get drunk and then take a bet. Uh, but yeah, it, he had an elephant tattooed around his, his hammer package with the ears and everything and his Hammer was the trunk of the elephant. And then, then the, they did all that. Then they brought out the next contestant, a girl, a bisexual girl. So they had three guys and three women in the, uh, in the booze and they go through the whole thing. And I'm just like, what is this? And it's the number one show. The, uh, the number one show on the most popular list. I mean, what's next? Sex Court TV? Oh, my God. Number two. We're we're not talking about Ahsoka for this. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the number one show. The number one show. I know. know. On their most popular list. Fuck Ahsoka. That show's garbage. Um, (laughs) uh, The number one show on that list. And I'm just like, and by the way, there's, there's no sex. Like they never should, like once they show them going out on a date and talking on the date, but there's no sex. There's nothing like that on it. It's just. Really? And this has been in the UK for like seven years. Seven years. Anyway, Chris, I you came in this morning and we started talking. You've seen this before. Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, this is the only way to London. date, first of all. I mean, that's just <laughs> how I do it. Well, now you can go to the movie um, before the, the yeah. you can go to dinner before the movie because you have a shared experience. Exactly. So. You know, that's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. We, we watched this in the UK very briefly where my mom was in the other room and we heard her scream. <laughs> And she's like, there's porn on the TV. <laughs> and we're like, no, that's channel four. It's a game show. That's, this is just a dating show. And she, it was just a moment of her going, what's the game? <laughs> you just judge each other based on your bodies. I don't know. It's like <laughs> Tinder, but public and worse. Um, this is also, though, dating shows in the UK. First of all, over overseas, people are way less weird about sex, sexuality, and nudity than we are. Um, here in the U.S., we're very, very anti-nudity, but we love seeing like people's heads explode. So that's why we also have differences in like <laughs> what channels these can air on. But one of the chairman of CEO, uh, our chairman of HBO uh, or Max, or whatever it's called now, talked about how prior to its name shift, HBO was the home of things like real, ha- real sex and Cat House. So this shouldn't be yeah. something super surprising to any of us that it's on here. And what should be even less surprising, I think, is for people with Max to go, wait, wait, wait. There's a dating show with full frontal nudity. <laughs> I mean, I should number look, one on Max. I should look at it. I should just check it. <laughs> just, just for to yourself. See. Yeah, just to see. 
If I'm gross, or is this even true? Maybe it was exaggerations, so it's not really. Here we go. But it's hours later, full nudity, and you're just like along with the person going, I don't know, maybe that dong special. When the show started, and they write like, all right, let's look at the lower half of the body, and they lifted up the things in the very beginning, and you got these six guys just stand there with their dongs out, and I'm like, oh my god, what am I watching? It Anne is like laughing hysterically. It's funny that they start with the bottom half first. Like, yeah, you think maybe they would go like that, and then as they progress, they're like, "Now here's your final." But no, yep. they're that's like, like when you play strip poker with somebody real like, drunk or real confident. Grass He's like, what are we dealing here? First? Pants first. And you're like, Wait a you do know you're wearing a scarf. You could take that off first. And they're like, like nope. nope. <laughs> Pants come off. Jump first. in the deep end. <laughs> anyway, uh, the future of television, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, some people in live chat just saying the host looks a little bit like Chris. Yeah. Uh, there was a brief moment where I saw the bangs out of the corner of my eye and I was like, when did Wait. I do this show? <laughs> <laughs> and where are my residuals? Where are my residuals? <laughs> anyway, guys, I, I'm just curious. Have any of you seen this show? Like, it's out of nowhere. It only debuted on Max a few days ago, and it's already number one on the most popular list. That's what people are watching. Anyway, whatever you guys think, uh, do let us know. Hey, listen, guys, we still have a number of topics we need to go over here, including we just mentioned residuals. How are residuals specifically going to work with the new writer's agreement? We're going to discuss that. The sad passing of the great Michael Gambon. And also James Gunn talks about the three actors who are going to be carrying over into the DCU. But before we get to any of that, we're going to take a quick second and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast. The absolute most comfortable shoes I have ever worn in my life. The folks over at Vessi. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Vessi. Now, like me, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard of Vessi, the shoe that claims to be incredibly comfortable and waterproof on top of that. Well, these claims are really interesting to me because as a Canadian who walked around in a lot of snow and as somebody who likes to go camping and hiking with his wife on the weekends, there's nothing more uncomfortable and horrible than walking around in wet feet. So after receiving my first pair of Vessis and noticing how incredibly good looking the shoes are and how mind boggling comfortable and flexible they are, the first thing I did was I took them into the backyard to put it to the supreme waterproof test and dipped my feet in my pool. Guys, my feet were bone dry. And like 20 seconds after having them in the pool and I touched them, the shoes themselves were also bone dry. Guys, seriously, these shoes are stupidly comfortable. They look great and they absolutely lived up to the claim of being waterproof and keeping my feet dry. I absolutely love my Vessi shoes. So guys, if you want shoes that are good looking, are ridiculously comfortable and on top of all that waterproof, you need to head to Vessi.com slash Campia and get yourselves a pair today. Go to Vessi.com slash Campia and get shoes for your best summer yet. And thank you to our friends at Vessi for sponsoring this episode of the John Campy Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into this, shall we? How specifically will residuals work now under the new writer's agreement. And now, obviously, residuals were one of the big, big important issues in the writer's strike that was going on. Now, of course, it was a very complicated issue because the way residuals used to work just doesn't apply anymore. Streaming is a completely different thing, and you can't just take the old models of residuals and just say, well, just apply that to streaming. doesn't work that way. And thus, it became a really hard, contentious thing that the Writers Guild and studios had to go back and forth on and come up with something that resembled... I would say resembles residuals. I'd love to hear your take on this, Chris, because it's, it's a little weird. But so how are these residuals going to work? Well, here's basically how this whole thing is going to work. Not everybody's going to get residuals, number one. So only writers who do shows that are ridiculously successful are going to be qualified to get a piece of the residual pie. So here's how it's going to work, all right? If a show gets enough views in the first 90 days that the show has been out, that equals to 20% of that streaming network's total domestic subscriber base, then those people will be entitled the writers of those shows will be entitled to 50% of what a flat residual rate is called really 
This is the thing. And Chris, I'm going to no, I'm going to say something. I'm going to want to know if you agree with this a little bit later or not. Okay. They're calling it a residual. It's really not a residual. It's a bonus. It's really put up like a bonus. You know, we weren't planning on doing this. Jonathan, just give me a quick second to bring this up. But I, I think it's important for us to get into the classroom on this. And I should have thought of this a little bit earlier. But so, again, it's not everybody who's going to get this. Okay. So uh, residuals. Okay. So let me just clear this off first before we get going. It's not everybody who gets it. So if you work on a show, and I think we can go there now. If you work on a show, the average writer on the average show is not going to get residuals. They're just not. So here's how this is going to work. And I don't know why that didn't uh, want to refresh that. It's not. Uh, there, there we go. So, okay. So let me just put it into typing here what we said before. If a show gets views that are equal to 20% of a streamer's uh, domestic subscriber base, uh, then they will be qualified to get a residual. So, for example, let's take something like, I think Max has 50 million domestic subscribers, okay? 20% of 50 million is 10 million. So, if a show gets 10 million views... In the first 90 days, not after that, it can't be 10 million views over the course of a year or anything like that. It has to be within 90 days. Now, I'll put that in there. Has to be within 90 days, okay? In the first 90 days, then the writers of that show and that show only get access to 50% of what is a predetermined but not publicly available knowledge. You haven't let us know, the public know what this number is. But there is a predefined residual for a show that is super successful. And if a show gets 20% of a streamer's domestic subscriber base, then guess what? Hoot and holler, you get 50% of whatever that bonus is. Now, why that 90-day limit is important is because a lot of people have been using the example of suits lately. Suits have been super popular and nobody's getting any residuals from it. Here's the important thing. Under this new deal, the writers of Suits still wouldn't get anything because all the super popularity of Suits happened years after Suits went off the air. This has to be, if you've got, so, and I think Netflix has 75 million domestic subscribers. Like so that. for a Netflix series... Uh, and actually, million. if one of you guys can do the math of that, what's 20 percent? What's that? It's 15. Okay. Million. So for, for you to get the residual on a Mac show, your show only needs to get only needs, but needs to get 10 million views, 20% of all the subscribers. If you're on a Netflix show, that show's got to get 15 million views. So each streamer will have a different threshold for success. Now, this means that a writer who works on three different shows in a year and all those shows end up getting a super impressive number of 9 million views in the first 90 days, that writer doesn't get anything. Well, no, they still get paid at the new increased rate, thanks to the new deal, but they don't get access to that 50% residual. Again, I, I don't even think it's a residual. It's really a bonus. Yeah, I, it sounds like points. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it really is more of a bonus, but they're going to call it residual. And to be honest, maybe that's the right way for them to go about it. So if you are a writer on something like Stranger Things, you're good. You're golden. If you are a writer on something like, uh, I'm going to guess, House of the Dragon, you're probably good. I, I don't know what the writers on that, uh, what the numbers on that were, were overall. But yes, that's going to be the new threshold. Chris, I mean, we all, everybody knew whatever the residual issue was, was not going to look what it looked like before. It's going to be some kind of a new model. Obviously, and the WGA leadership said, obviously, this isn't what we went in wanting, but it's a lot more than what the studios wanted to give us initially, and we got something here. Yeah. What do you think about this for writers? So, so clearly now, the only writers that are going to get residuals, residuals are the ones who work on supremely successful shows. Mm -hmm. And we always thought that once the writers get a deal done, it might set a framework for what the screen actors might get. So, number one, what do you think about this definition of residuals and who will get them for the writers? And do you think there's a basis here 
that the Screen Actors Guild would accept too? Or do you think this is too limiting? I don't know. What do you think? I certainly think the AMPTP is going to use the same model in the negotiations when we come back to the table on October 2nd. I think this will be, well, this is what we presented with the Writers Guild. And, you know, we did a lot of deliberating with them. We know you guys have stood in solidarity with them. So we think this is something that would work for you as well. And I can definitely see the merits of this, right? It, It does, the changes here do create this kind of pipeline of helping writing be a career. Because before this deal, writers were very much treated like gig workers, even if they were seasoned writers who had hit shows, who had been doing things just because of the nature of how writers rooms were being conducted. Right. Hey, we're going to kind of try to avoid this writer's room and have a mini room or, hey, you go off on your own and we're only going to pay you for this portion. And then when you come back, you'll get some money here and there. Now, a lot of these like different things that they've come to with the MPTP have made it so more money goes into your initial fee as a writer when you're doing these things. So they got a 12.5% increase in their rates, which is key. So we originally asked for, I think, 488 million per year. AMPTP countered with 86. Current deal is sitting at 233 million. So, so a, compromise, a compromise right around the middle yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and that first deal was very ambitious. I think the, the numbers made sense there, but I understand it. And, and I think, the, the studio's the, first offer was pretty the, stingy. It was very stingy. 86. <laughs> Good Lord. That's what you say to food that isn't around at a restaurant anymore. We're going to 86 AMPTP. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do like that they are getting more money up front. I do like that they are getting money into healthcare and pension plans and things like that, because that is one of the reasons why. Historically, we've needed residuals is because we don't get paid well. We don't get health care. We don't get these other things up front like other careers and jobs offer you. Right. Even if I go become a, a gig worker somewhere else or not even a gig worker, you know, if I if I had the pleasure of going back into the food service or something like that, I can still qualify and work full time and get health care. I can still qualify and sometimes get stock options or things like that. Like being a barista at Starbucks, you can you can get like really good health care and you can invest in stuff. I think actors and writers should probably be afforded the same opportunity. And that's kind of what we have here is now you at least can qualify for healthcare a little easier. And I do like too, that they've been making it. So even though people may have run out of their qualifying hours for healthcare, that that is being taken into consideration moving forward this year. Um, To your point about whether or not it's residuals, it's really not. I think you guys are right. It's points. It's a bonus. But what I like here is that we at least are finally addressing transparency we at least now are saying, we will give you the data. You will see the numbers. And this is when you'll get your return. In a way, it makes me think of when I used to, to work um, in sales and how after I met a certain threshold, then I could start getting, you know, bonuses on top right. of that. And that's what this feels like. So it does encourage, you know, quality material. It does encourage yeah, that I, kind of I thing. I think the pro thing here for a lot of the writers is while obviously a minority of the writers are going to, a vast minority of the writers are going to qualify for this residual. Yeah. But in the long run, I think it still works to their benefit because would you rather get $12,000 more now or $12,000 paid in residuals over the next five years? I'll take my $12,000 now. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and and with that 12.5%, and remember, these are people who are making like $45,000 a month. And so that 12.5% increase represents a significant, at least let me say, not an insignificant amount of more upfront money that they're going to get that I think more than compensates for what could have maybe trickled in as a residual later on. Yeah. So I still think it works out to the writer's benefit, but it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how this really all unfolds over the next three, six, nine years when they're going to have to come back to the table again to negotiate again, once they see how this act, because in theory, this looks good, but is it going to work out in practical terms? Exactly. And I think the, the thing here that the WGA did and that I think SAG-AFTRA is doing too, is they really won those fights this time around regarding AI. You know, about your own they likeness. Had to get that uh, one. And that was the one that was really that yes, was Goliath. We had here. to get that we one. We had to do that one. And everything else can be discussed later. That was the thing that I personally was just really hoping got settled. And those are the terms of this that I am very, very pleased with. All right. Guys, with that down, let's move on to this, shall we? Michael Gambon, the iconic legendary actor who stepped in to the late, great Richard Harrison's shoes to play the iconic character Dumbledore. And for a lot of people became the, I admit, when I think of Dumbledore, 
it's Michael Gambon's face is the one that pops up in my head now because he uh, he was there a little bit longer for it. And he was magnificent in the role, has passed away at the age of 82. Uh, this is a man who has a career that spanned decades. He was nominated for two Emmy Awards. He won four BAFTA Awards. Um, he was an iconic legendary actor before he took on the role of Harry Potter, much like a lot of the iconic actors who came in. Richard Harris himself, who played Dumbledore before him. Um, came in and played the role. And, you know, as as sad as it, it was, he lived 82, had a spectacular, successful career, beloved by millions. Um, and it, it's really sad, too, because earlier the, uh, in the within the last year, Hagrid, uh, the actor who played Hagrid, passed away. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Richard Harris had, had already passed away. I mean, we're getting to the point that Harry Potter is actually an old enough franchise that, we are losing a lot of the actors um, who who played in the series and stuff like that. And it was really sad because honestly, when I think of Harry Potter, my first thought doesn't go to Daniel Radcliffe. It usually go or to Harry himself or Hermione or whatever. It usually goes to Dumbledore. I, I think of Dumbledore as being kind of the face of the representation of the franchise, if you will. So uh, a very, very sad day for many, a day celebration for the life, the incredible career that he had. Uh, but very sad to hear about his passing at 82. Apparently he passed away of pneumonia mm-hmm. um, in hospital, surrounded by family and friends. Anyway, Chris, you hear about the passing of Michael Gambon. What do you think his lasting legacy is going to be um, in the industry and in the art? Oh my gosh. Uh, I know people gave him a lot of grief and guff for how he said, you put your name in the goblet of fire. Um, <laughs> but man, he was a great Dumbledore. I really love him. I think we're going to... Always remember him for for really deftly handling that moment about what if it is all in your head? Why should that matter? That beautiful Mm. moment in that book. I always associate with him. Uh, The first things I saw him in were, I think, like Sleepy Hollow and Godsford Park, um, which are not movies you should see when you're little, but okay. Um, (laughs) and, And I just, he always had such incredible presence on camera. I wish I had gotten to see him do something on stage. I would have desperately loved to see him on stage, but he was so powerful and he knew when to use that booming voice of his and he knew how to, to reel it in and make you lean in as an audience member too. He was just so lovely and I'm going to miss him. Oh, and he's great in Paddington. Oh my gosh. Beautiful you know, in Paddington. Here's the thing. It's, it's difficult to play any role in Hollywood it's difficult to play a big, major, significant, iconic role. But when you've got to go in and play a big, significant, iconic role and replace a legendary actor who already played the role, like it, it may be hard to remember now, but go back after the late, great Richard Harris passed away. And a lot of people said, you're never going to be able to replace him as Dumbledore. He was a great Dumbledore. He was a wonderful Dumbledore. That voice that he had, you know, doing... Yeah. As, as Dumbledore. But Michael Gambon came in and he did two very important things. One, he did not try to do a Richard Harris impersonation. He did not try to do Richard Harris's Dumbledore. He made it his own. He made it his own. He brought his own tone yeah. and his own voice while being totally true to the source material and all that kind of stuff, but just made it his manifestation, honoring what Richard Harris did, but not trying to imitate Richard Harris. It worked too because there was a tonal shift in the franchise by yeah. that's the, true. By the yeah, third. time when he he played up the wacky, you know, mm. where then it became this kind of almost affable nitwit, but who knew better, and so he'd just do silly little things like the like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Night night, mm-hmm. yeah. and like mm. sloak off. Like he did a really good job. I could use a cup that. of tea or maybe a strong brandy. <laughs> just what, like what, which movie there. was it that opened with Dumbledore taking Harry? to the house where he's recruiting the guy to be the, the teacher again, the guy from Moulin Rouge. Well, that, yeah, that was, oh, that's uh, I forget which one that was, six? but that showed I, that, he showed more Half of that Prince personality, right? Or Deathly Hallows yeah. one. Half-Blood Prince, that's that, one. Okay, yeah. so, what, so he steps in and takes over the role, and it was very quickly, the whole audience moved past it very quickly. This is now our Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And the way he was, he managed to navigate that, because that could have been, Disastrous in the in the middle of this franchise that was just getting going and was so successful, and now you got to take such a legendary character like Dumbledore and swap out the actor. That could have potentially been disastrous for them, but he came in 
with his gifts and his talent and like an artist just made something incredible out of it. They navigated the transition perfectly. And uh, to a lot of people, he's the Dumbledore they think of. So Mm -hmm. anyway, very, very sad news here about his passing. But at the same time, an awesome opportunity for the rest of us to look back at the incredible work and the incredible gift that he gave us through his art uh, that will last forever. So RAP to Michael Gambon. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? James Gunn has basically now listed out the three actors. There might be more, but it sounds like it's just going to be these three. Three actors who have been playing characters in the DCEU and will also be playing those characters in the DCU. Those characters are Viola as Waller, John Cena, not me, uh, as Peacemaker, and Sholo as Blue Beetle. He has mentioned now... It's important to note, like a story we covered earlier, that James Gunn has already, first he laid down the ground rules that nothing in the old DCU is canon. There might be some things that are similar to it a little bit in the new thing, but it's not connected. It's not canon. So that means the Sholo we're going to see playing Jaime, it's going to be essentially a new Jaime. Uh, The Waller we're going to see is a new Waller. She may act the same, but it's not connected in canon to the old DCU. And John Cena's Peacemaker is going to be Peacemaker, but the events of the Peacemaker TV show are not going to be canon. Although, I wonder if they're going to call the next season of Peacemaker, Peacemaker Season 2, or if it's going to be a completely new thing, much like Daredevil is a new thing. And they're not calling the new Daredevil, Daredevil Season 4. I'll tell you what. My personal preference is if you are rebooting, go clean slate. Replace all the actors, even though I love John Cena's Peacemaker and obviously the iconic Viola Davis as Waller. You know, I get that. The baseline for me is if you're going to do a reboot, replace everybody. I mean, they tried rebooting. um, Why am I freezing on the name of the skeleton that rides the motorcycle? Uh, Ghost Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, right? They rebooted Ghost Rider, but they kept Nicolas Cage (laughs) as Ghost Rider. So it was like, I mean, all right. And those are a couple of friends of mine that made that decision. But anyway, I'm still okay with it because I think if you make it clear that the universe is new and you're not keeping the same actors for Batman and Superman and, and stuff like that, I think it's not going to be all that confusing to the audience, to be honest with you. Like I know every we always worry, I'm myself included, that the audience is going to be totally confused they tend to pick up on it within about the first 30 seconds and they get what's going on and everything is then fine. So I I'm good with it, especially when you got like, again, a legendary performer like Viola Davis, when you got somebody who's just killed it as peacemaker with John Cena and listen, we all said from the very beginning, blue beetle was going to totally bomb and it did, but Sholo playing Jaime Reyes was really charming and delightful. And here's the, here's the kick of it. This is the, this is the silver lining of the flopping rainbow, okay? <laughs> flopping rainbow. I know that. Nobody movie. saw Blue Beetle. Nobody saw him. Nobody went to go see that movie. So for most people, Sholo playing Jaime Reyes is going to be a brand new thing anyway. <laughs> I, I know that's kind of stretching for the, for the silver lining, but it's true. Nobody went to go see that movie, so it'll be fine. Um, I just don't want to see... 15 actors who were playing the role before to come in. Now, now I listen, I've already heard from a lot of people saying, John, you're a big Henry Cavill guy. If they're bringing back John Cena to play Peacemaker, does that piss you off? Then they're not bringing back Henry to play Superman. No, because I understood they're trying, they're, their Superman is that they want to tell in this universe is going to be a younger Superman than what Henry Cavill is. Character comes first. I've always said that. And even if it means my beloved Henry Cavill, who I got, Right here on my desk. (laughs) If that means my beloved Henry Cavill, listen, character comes first. The actor should never come first. The actor should never come first. There's a lot of eye contact right over this. (laughs) It's like, wow. The character (laughs) comes first. And, And if in this new story... Henry isn't a fit for the character because he's aged out of it or whatever. That, that's fine. Go ahead. Recast it. Just don't do it with a whole ton of them. Do it with a couple if it makes sense. That's fine. But um, you know what? 
these are three good names to bring over. And I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. Anyway, Chris, I don't know where you're at. Like when it comes to rebooting, because the earlier story we talked about sounds like James Gunn is basically saying this is a reboot because nothing in the DCU was canon. Yeah. But it's still bringing over a couple of the actors. I mean, it sounds like Jason Momoa is going to come over, but probably not playing Aquaman anymore. It's probably, probably going mean, to be We're Lobo. all guessing it's going to be Lobo, right? Yeah. That's our guess. But uh, what do you think about Cena, Viola Davis, Sholo? Like, what do you think? I love that trio. I'm very excited about them. Viola Davis, I think, is an incredible get for Waller. When that first happened, it was I just... I can't believe they got her, Well, and, and also, we keep having her in all of these different versions. So why not? She's the, she's the mainstay. She makes sense. She's fantastic in this. And she plays the role so wonderfully. John Cena, who would have thought that Peacemaker would be what it is? Right? One of the. Not me. Certainly not, not me. me. When yeah. that show got announced, it was, okay, what the fuck is James Gunn doing? And it's brilliant and wonderful. And James Cena is proving that if you really James give him. Cena? Some, or John Cena. That's a John Cena. Yeah. Kind of yeah. That's, <laughs> that's John Cena. That's their couple name. John <laughs> Cena is proving, too, if you give him like a great script, if you give him a great character, he is somebody to watch. He can really just like sink his teeth into a role. And I think he's got chops and he proves it on that show. He does some beautiful nuanced stuff with a character who also gets to run around naked and has a bald eagle as a best friend. Like the, oh, wasn't the he range as well. He was on Naked, was he in naked yeah. Attraction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's, how, that's how he met his girlfriend. It's mm-hmm. so nice. Um, and then Sholo, I think is wonderful. I think it's a shame that a lot of people haven't seen Blue Beetle. That a whole lot of a lot of people haven't seen Blue Beetle. But he's great. He does a wonderful job in the role. I think he's fantastic. And another person who I'm excited to see more of in this. I think we can assume Harcourt's going to show up. Jennifer Holland is fine. Gosh. Jennifer Holland see. will be James in James Gunn's wife. Yeah. Well, she probably. Yeah. And I, and or a different character. To her credit, if it is Harcourt, I really like her as that role. I think she has a great job and she plays well off of Cena. So I'm I'm excited to see this. It is a lot of that kind of cafeteria style, though, that we've talked about with Marvel and the Netflix properties, right? Specifically Daredevil of, well, we really like Charlie Cox and we really like, you know, Vincent. Vincent D'Onofrio, yeah. But I don't know about everyone else here. Let's see what we can do. And it feels a little bit like that kind of cafeteria styling here. And in both cases, I just need to see it play out to see if it works. Or if when I watch it, I go... This is really off-putting to have the old folks here with the new cast. I don't think I'm going to have that. I'm hoping we just kind of have the reverse of, you know, when uh, when we had Don Cheadle enter the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Amanda yeah. Waller just walks in and she says, yeah, it's still me. Deal with it. That's what we got to do. There was a similar situation to that with James Bond movies, where we would have new James Bonds. These would be new iterations, stuff like that. Oh, but like the same Oscars and stuff. Yeah, but they they would have a couple of the same actors playing Mm -hmm. the side characters Mm -hmm. come in, and it never caused any confusion. Nobody was thrown off by that. About the Harcourt thing, I will say this. I was already several episodes into Peacemaker before I found out she was dating James Gunn because oh. it was dating at the time. Yeah. I think this was before they were married and I already loved her in the role. Like I loved this character and I loved this actress playing her and I loved her in the role. I think maybe if I knew she was James Gunn's main squeeze at the time, maybe I would have looked at it with a little bit of a, you know, snarky side eye, Yeah, but I loved her in it before I knew she was dating and now married to her. I will admit like when she pops up in guardians of the galaxy three, I'm like, Really, James? Got to put your wife in there? But she's actually really good. I really Mm -hmm. like her. So I feel better that I liked her before I knew she was with Gunn. Uh, Anyway, guys, that will do it for all of our main topics here. What do you think about the three they're mentioning about bringing over? Now, we're going to move on and start taking questions and comments from our beloved YouTube channel members. By the way, we have a group of supporters here on the show known as the YouTube channel members. You should become a YouTube channel member. And anyway, we ask them every day to submit some topics and questions, and we get through as many as we can. But before we get to those, we're going to take a quick second and thank the sponsor of today's video, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, 
Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone. But now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills. Like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just $15 a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode uh by the way just a kudos to all you guys in the live chat uh bonus points to you if you know the t-shirt if you get the t-shirt reference if you do uh, respect points to you. I'm going to keep my eye on the uh, live chat there, see if anybody actually gets it. All right, let's now go over and start taking our YouTube channel members' topics and questions. Chris, what do we got up here first? From Logan Hoyne. Any chance they make Dexter alive if they follow through with the new Blood Season 2 plans? Would love to see a reunion with him and old cast. I'll tell you what, I when they were bringing back Dexter, I was very excited. I loved the Dexter series. You know what? A lot of people hated the final season of Dexter, I love the final season. I just hated the final episode. It was the final episode to me that that was. And it's not that they, you know, killed off a certain character. It's just the whole thing about the final episode just felt very weird. It was weird. So I came back to Dexter with this the new season and everything with a lot of excitement. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was kind of let down by it. And I'm sorry, but Dexter should be about Dexter. It's, I, I'm not really interested in his kid. Uh, I, I'm just not. So... If they don't find a way to bring him back, I'm probably not going to bother tuning in. I know. Did you watch the the, the latest reincarnation of Dexter? I didn't. Mm. I watched Dexter, but I, I didn't really have a desire to watch the next season of it. All right. What's next? From Mega Red, it's my 26th birthday today. Oh, happy birthday! Question, you know it's your 26th birthday. Any life advice <laughs> you'd give a 26 year old? Work on being 25. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Advice I wish I could go back and give to a slightly younger me. Um, start putting money into investments. That 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 would be, uh, and I'm not a financial advisor. Open a high yield savings account. Yeah, or even just if you just something as safe as a high, like a four percent high yield savings account. If you want to like get the damn Robinhood app, start putting money into the SPY, the S and P 500, or into Apple, or into Tesla, or or something like that. Start investing your money. Because, you know, the way I started investing, I realized if I had started the, the investing that I'm doing now, like 10 years earlier, I don't even want to tell you how much more money I would have. My bank account is kind of crazy. So the number one thing I would do is, yeah, just uh, start putting some money away into investments. Don't just have it sitting because money that's just sitting, again, I am not a financial advisor. But what I realized a bunch of years ago was all this money that's sitting in my bank account, as inflation grows, my money is losing value just sitting there. So I better start getting my money putting to work. So that would be the advice I would give. And date more. Unless you're already, you know, married. Then I'd highly advise against that. <laughs> then yeah. don't date more. It gets really confusing. It's very, very complicated. You guys have to confusing. have a very good talk about how that's going to work. Okay. By the way, I'm very disappointed. Nobody in the live chat yet has gotten the, re- knows the t-shirt. I'm very, very disappointed so far. I'm going to keep my eyes open though. All right. What's next? From Mike Hudspeth. Hey, fam. In my completely objective opinion, your podcast is easily the best one out there. Joe Rogan ain't got nothing on y'all. <laughs> my question is, what is the biggest or most memorable laugh you've ever had from watching a movie? Oh, it's easy. For me, the Borat naked fight scene made me cry from laughing so hard. <laughs> Sending nothing but love to y'all, especially to Ray. Bring on the wow, film. Okay, hey, no, um, fine. Let me, uh, I, I have a very personal, close, emotional connection to that scene you mentioned because the guy in that scene in Borat, Azamat, the other character... Um, the actor who plays him, he's also popped up in a hundred different TV shows and anything. Anyway, when I did my, uh, and I'm forgetting, the, can you look up the name of the actor for me, Ray, who oh. played played him in Borat? 
Um, when I did my movie, uh, the anniversary, just tiny little super small, but I made the whole movie for like $20,000, but I had a, a premiere of it in Hollywood at a theater in Hollywood. And that actor from Borat, his first name's David, but I, 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 um, I forget his last name anyway. Isn't that a, uh, didn't at the top right there? Isn't that him? Yeah. So he, he showed up at the premiere. Oh, Azamat. Ken. Yeah. Davitian. Yeah, not uh, yeah, that's right. Ken's his first name. It, the last name starts with like David. Yeah. But he showed up at the premiere. And I was like, oh my God. And he, he we, we talked and he mentioned that he had followed me for a little bit. And he actually owned a restaurant at Hollywood and Highland and invited me to come to his restaurant. It was like, it was like one of, you got to remember, I was very, very early in my career at that time. I was basically just coming off of the movie blog. And, um, that was like one of the, the coolest geeking out things to me uh, ever. That was really cool. The funniest moment that made me laugh hardest ever in a movie, period, stop, ever. And it doesn't sound funny when we repeat it, but I've always said this, the number one funniest moment in any film ever, Spaceballs. Um, when Dark Helmet says, now Lone Star, you will see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. I have never laughed harder in my life. And again, it's not as funny when you just say it, but in that moment, in the context when you'd never seen it and Dark Helmet says that, I've never laughed harder than I did at that moment. What about you, Chris? You got a moment that you can think about that made you laugh oh, harder than any other time? I can't think of one. I, I could think of one for me. Yeah. We the most recent one was <laughs> during the blackening. And there's a part where the one of the guys is trying to climb up the tree and the girls are like mm -hmm. trying to push him up. For some reason, when he said- That was a funny movie, when, by the way. He said, don't stick your finger in my- Asshole, right? Yeah. I just couldn't stop laughing. It just—I don't know his the, his delivery. The delivery of that was line great. Was that, so funny. I was dying. I was crying. I couldn't get past the rest of the movie. That movie's so good. That, <laughs> what about is, Joyride with the v vagina? Oh, Joyride tattoo? had so many. The vagina tattoo was ridiculous. The funniest thing I've seen in a theater, though, it wasn't the movie. It was someone in the audience. Oh, we went and saw Super Mario Brothers, and there was a moment where like. Stuff was going down, but it was going to be awesome. And this little kid, just when it's dead silent in the theater, goes, Aw, tits. And it's just like an eight year old all tits. And so, so precious. Now, like every now and then, if something cool happens, Logan will be like, Aw, tits. That kid was right. Life is awesome. Aw, tits. And it was the best. All right, what's next? <laughs> From Fanjecture. So with this new residual bonus, the bigger the streamer sub count gets, the harder it's going to be to hit those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it means that, well, I mean, there's, there's an argument to be made, right? Like 20% means if the streamer has a larger subscription base, there's more people that can, that can watch. Mm -hmm. um, so if you look at the flat number, yeah, it's, it'll be easier to hit the bonus if you're, say, writing for... Paramount Plus um, than it would be for Netflix because Netflix has 75 million subscribers. But I also have a feeling that that bonus is going to be um, mitigated. I, I have a feeling, like you didn't say this, but I don't think you getting that bonus for writing for getting 3 million views on Paramount Plus versus getting 15 million views on Disney will be the same amount. I mean, I don't know. There's still some gray area here, but yeah, if you're writing a show on Netflix, you need to get 15 million viewers in the first 90 days. Whereas if you're doing it on Max, you need to get 10 million viewers in 90 days. So yeah, it actually becomes a little harder. All right, what's next? Oh, From Ron H. How long before Netflix starts to commit some of its original productions to a proper theatrical run? However that long is nowadays, Apple seems to be starting already. Well, remember, Netflix has already started experimenting with that. They did that very successfully with Glass Onion, the Knives Out sequel. Uh, they had a load of success with just like, they just did a two-week release, right? And they experienced a load of success, not only because they made a bunch of money in the theaters that otherwise they wouldn't have made, but because it had that theatrical exposure. When it did come to Netflix, it had much higher viewership on Netflix than it would have otherwise. So Netflix is very slow to change and adapt things, but I think this year you're going to see them experiment with a couple of more films as well. All right, what's next? From Amin. So the creator now has a 69 <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes with 145 reviews. Not bad, but not great either. Why does this happen so often? We get crazy positive reactions for a film, and then reviews up to end up just being good? 
Why don't the people who didn't like the film share their reactions earlier? It just bugs me. I don't get it. Well, remember, like when the um, when the first reviews came out and those twenty five reviews came out, it was sitting at like. Uh, sorry, no, 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 no. I, I'm thinking of a different thing altogether. But I think we've said this before. When people are just giving their first reactions, they tend to focus on the positive, right? Because they only have 140 characters to put a quick reaction. They tend to focus on the positive a little bit more and then write their full things out a little bit later. But I I just know this. I have not seen the movie yet myself. I'm seeing it in a few hours. But the vast majority of that one group of critics that I really respect the most— it was a group of about 15 critics that I really respect the most. I know out of them, like 13 or 14 out of that 15 are going crazy over this movie. And that's all I need to know. So, look, any movie's not going to be for everybody. And I can't, again, I can't give any specifics. I haven't seen the movie yet myself. I may come out of it saying I didn't like it. Uh, that has happened to me a lot. But uh, we'll see. All right, what's next? From Joseph Michael. So the new trailer for Disney's Wish just dropped yesterday, and apparently it's getting some mixed reactions. What are your thoughts? I still haven't watched the trailer. Oh, really? I remember they, I, they showed us the preview for it at CinemaCon in April. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, oh, the trailer came out, I gotta watch it. And I just never got around to watching it. I know it looked interesting that yeah. they showed us there, but well, how, what, what was the trailer like? What was it's, it? It's cute. I think they miss a trick, just because right from the jump, you know that the, the king who grants wishes is a shady motherfucker. Ah. And it's Chris Pine, and you had this whole opportunity to have, I think, a big reveal. I mean, I'm sure we all would have known that that was going to be the twist, but still, it seems odd to jump in that way of, this is the girl who's going to fight this king, and they're after her and granting wishes. Um, It looks fine, though. I'll see it. All right. Mm. What's next? From Alan. Hi, Campia crew. Have any of you seen the new season of The Morning Show? I liked both seasons, and I'm curious what they'll do this season. No, I this that's another one that I've, like, I haven't started on the newest season of uh, Only Murders. Um, there's been a bunch of them I haven't caught up on the newest seasons yet. Anne started watching it. She's liked it. She said she doesn't think it's as good as the first two seasons. It's not. It's not? Okay, no. so you're with her on that? Yeah. Because I, I, I really like the first two seasons. I haven't watched the latest episode. Um, I need to watch that. But so far, it's been, eh. eh. Not as strong. Not as strong. Speak. Uh, speaking of Apple uh, TV Plus, I watched the newest uh, episode of Invasion last night. Can I read something that I sent to? Uh, it's just a short text that I sent to Rob, real quick. All right. So word for word, I go. I'm sending you this message after midnight to tell you that Invasion is getting so good, marijuana may be required. Your miles <laughs> may vary. Don't worry, I saved you the seat right next to me. Whenever you decide you want to ride with some big ball gangsters and then a bunch of tennis balls, bowling balls, basketball. Does anybody still moves. watch Invasion? This is the slowest burn show ever. And right now it just hit it. it oh man, I can't wait for the next episode because they, they got the kid. We're about to fight these fools next week. About okay. To take these aliens I'm, down. I'm actually going to put up a poll in the live chat. Do any of you <laughs> don't want, no, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know. I'm curious to know. I guess it's still on, so obviously some people watch it. Uh, watch Inva- Invasion. It's I'm, so I'm slow. just curious to know what yeah. our viewers have to say about this. So if you guys are watching live right now, I just put up a poll in the live chat. Just a simple question. Are you watching Invasion? I gave oh. up on it after about four episodes. It's so that's a big, slow. That's can- a resolute answer there no ran up to 78% within seconds but th- listen the very fact that's 23% are saying they do is more than i would have thought <laughs> that means like one out of every four people watching this and, stream is watching invasion and i, and I never not, knew and i'm not offended i understand this show has to, has to be the slowest burn ever that i've ever stuck with because man there's many times where i should have left it i think it's just on on a night where i don't have anything to watch so it fell into that spot. All right. Well, let's get back to our yeah. viewer questions here. What do we got up next? From Disney Freak. I just got to see the first two episodes of Gen V yesterday. Oh, wow. I loved being back in this world. Just like the boys, it does not hold back with its gore and violence. My theater also seemed to love it, especially the lady sitting next to me, who kept reacting to the developing plot by screaming her thoughts out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. somebody wrote in yesterday, say Amazon did that thing where they 
actually put the first two episodes in some select theaters yeah. and invited fans to go see it. And I never even heard of it because I would have loved to have gone and see that. Okay. So yesterday with 25 reviews in yesterday, Gen V was holding a 100%. It has dropped from 100%. It is now uh, with 43 reviews. And Jonathan, if you want to pull this up, with 43 reviews, it has dropped all the way to 98%. So it's about double the amount of, almost double the amount of reviews that come out and it's still holding a 98%. I am very excited to start watching this tomorrow. I, I believe it drops on Amazon tomorrow, maybe tonight at midnight. I don't know what Something time like that, yeah. they do it, but I cannot wait to watch Gen V. All right, let's take like two more. What do we got next? All right. From Jay Superboy. Hey, John, wondering if you're going to see the creator today. If yep. so, will there be an out of the theater reaction? Keep it filthy. Yes to both. Uh, we're going to go see it in five and a half hours. We're going to go see the movie. So probably in about seven and a half hours, you'll probably see our out of the theater reaction come up after that. All right, last question of the day. What's next? All right, final one from Rafael Castillo. Just saw the trailer for Argyle and I loved it. Laughed a few times and has a kitty cat. Heart emoji. <laughs> Cast includes Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, Dua Lipa, Ariana DeBose, John Cena, and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, the cast is crazy. Mm -hmm. I, I, look, I was already excited to see the movie just because it's a Henry Cavill movie. Matthew Vaughn's directing it. I mean, like, what's not great? And of course, reuniting Samuel Jackson and Sophia Batella in a Matthew Vaughn film. What's not to love? Um, D despite the fact that the trailer seems to be suffering from an infestation of cats, uh, aside from that, the trailer looks great. And look, facetiousness aside, even the cat stuff in it looked pretty great. <laughs> like, just the fact that there's a cat in there and whatever. The visual effect, I will say, of Sam Rockwell dropping the cat off the roof yeah, and I looked really bad. <laughs> that, yeah. Like, that, that was a really, that looked so composited. Right. Uh, there's no getting around that. There's no sugarcoating it. That looks, and then the cat bouncing off the thing and coming back up. Very, very 2005 kind of compositing on there. Sure, but whatever, who cares? It was cute. I give it that. I I did like the scene where John Cena just grabs Dua Lipa. She's driving by on the motorcycle and just pulls her <laughs> off with one. I also love the fact that John Cena is the guy in the van. That he's not the action hero in the field. He's the guy, or as as Ned would say in Spider-Man, the guy in the chair. That that John Cena is the guy in the chair. I think that was really funny. And again, I just really hope that this can become a great franchise for Henry Cavill. Although I will say this, all the marketing that I have seen, like all the preview stuff and all the sneak peeks and all the, even when you go to IMDb for Argyle, Henry Cavill is the top-billed guy on everything. When they announce the movie, Henry Cavill's new vehicle, Argyle. When you go to IMDb, topless guy, Henry Cavill. Every article that's been written about the movie, Henry Cavill. There was a slightly disturbing lack of Henry Cavill in this trailer. I mean, I, I mean, he's there, but this the trailer made it look like clearly Bryce Dallas Howard's movie. That the, mm. this trailer made it look like this is absolutely 100% Bryce Dallas Howard's movie. And Henry Cavill, the trailer made it look like he's a small supporting character. The trailer made his hair look like Chet from Weird Science. Yes! <laughs> that's the thing we should be focusing on. That's a great on. reference. That is, that's actually very true. I never even thought about that. <laughs> that's so right. I hope, and, and, and I love Bryce Dallas Howard, but I really hope as we get to see more trailers that we're going to see more Henry Cavill. Because I do want this to be his franchise, but whatever. The most important thing is not who's starring in it or who's got the biggest lead or whatever. The most important thing is, is the movie great? I thought this trailer was a great start, so I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going. All right, guys. With that down, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you for being here and making this little show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members, number one, for supporting what we do and for sending in all those topics for us to discuss. Don't forget, we're going to be back again here tomorrow. So in the meantime, for Ray Aura, yeah, Jonathan Voico, Chris Carr, Bye. my name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. As a veteran, I live with health impacts from my service. VA gives me exceptional care and helped me gain the best quality of life. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here.